The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is January 18th right now, and I just wanted to give a shout out. I have tried to remember this for, I don't even know when this was, like a week, days, but I want to give a birthday shout out to Gabrielle V. She messaged me saying that she would love a shout out for her birthday. That was in a few weeks, so I hope If your birthday happened already, I hope it was great. If it didn't happen yet, I hope it's the best day ever and that you have so much fun and we appreciate you and are glad you're a listener. Her message was so nice. She sent a photo of her wearing her TCS hoodie and she has a TCS sticker on her phone. (laughs) She's amazing. Little known fact, we do have some merch. (laughs) (laughs) If If you want the links, send us a message on Instagram and we'll send it to you. We do need to update it, but it's cool. It's still cool. We just need to update it. Yeah, we just it's it's just another project that I'm not mentally ready to take on yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Everyone's always like, you need merch. I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. So if anyone knows how, feel free to let me know. Yeah. Um so anyways, if you follow me on Instagram, you will see that I bought a house. Um Lots of you guys were commenting, saying you want to hear about it on the podcast. I had been talking about it more on Patreon as I went through the journey because it was very stressful and awful and miserable. So I complained about it more on there. I was a little scared to talk about it on this one just because I didn't know for a long time if it was actually going to happen or not because we did a for sale by owner situation. It was someone that my dad knew So it was a slower process. I've been going through it since October. Anything and anything that could have gone wrong or delayed it happened. I've always heard buying a house is traumatic, and (laughs) I can agree. It definitely is. I'm lucky in the sense that like it wasn't on the market where I didn't have to deal with like bidding wars and things like that and the price being raised and all that craziness. But definitely doing for sale by owner comes with its own challenges as well because you kind of have to depend on the other person a lot. There's no realtors involved really or anything like that. So it was a struggle. Then on the closing day, of course, it snowed. The roads were bad. <laughs> then there was drama because Chase Banks were down, and that was an issue. And the other, the seller's attorneys were an hour and a half late. So then we had to sit and make awkward small talk. So it was just like the grand finale of a tumultuous process. <laughs> <laughs> you got there, though. It's all done. Yeah. Uh, Olivia's been hearing me have to bitch about this <laughs> for months and months. So <laughs> cheers to you. Um, But yeah, it's fun. I'm excited. I'm very overwhelmed. There's so much to do because it is a bit of, it's like a fixer upper. It's, it's nice. It's sturdy. We got it for a really good price for what it is, but we'll have to redo like the whole kitchen. There's a lot of wood paneling, um, a lot that needs to be done. And it just, it makes you kind of feel like, 
like I'm not an adult. I don't know how to do <laughs> anything. Like I have to replace this water heater. I have to figure out paint primers and turn on the electric and like what's an electric meter. I have to read the electric meter. I don't know how to do these things. It's like the meme, I know that you don't have kids at the moment, but it's the meme where it's like where you look for a parent to look after these kids and then you realize you are the parent. You're like, wow, this is, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> like you like, are the adult now. I'm, uh, it's just funny to think back to your parents when you were a kid. Yeah. And I've seen many people say this online where you were like, I thought all the adults really had it figured out. I, like, I'm not that same adult. But then you think your parents and other parents and adults probably were feeling how I do now. But I mean, you just fake it till you make it, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, and do you have a exciting story as well? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it's, <laughs> it's terrifying, actually. And like, I laugh about it now, but it actually could have been horrific. So a bit of background. We bought a new car in June last year. It took six months to arrive. Everything takes forever in Australia. I don't know. I guess it's just because we're so far away. Everything is takes a long time. The car, we finally picked it up on December 27th. And because it had taken so long, they upgraded us to a 2024 model. I was like, this is amazing. You know, really happy with it. All great. All been going fine. Not an issue. And on this past Tuesday, so it's Friday here now. So just a few days ago, I was driving on the freeway with my two kids going 110 kilometers an hour, which is like the max speed limit here. So I think that's like 60 or 70 miles an hour going pretty fast in the fast lane. Um, and all of a sudden the car just started to stop. It started to decelerate. And I was like, what is going on? And then the engine light came on. This is a brand new car, not even three weeks old. So I don't even know how I managed it, but somehow I managed to get across the three lanes of freeway traffic. And somehow, thankfully, there was an emergency shoulder. So I don't know, I feel like I've, I can't remember what your freeways are like there, but here generally it's freeway. And then every X amount of kilometers, there'll be a, like kind of a stopping section where it's a bit wider sometimes there's an emergency phone in there like you're meant to pull over in those bays if you can get to one Mm. um otherwise it's very narrow like you'd literally be pulled over on the side of the road with cars going hundreds of you know not hundreds of kilometers an hour but 100 kilometers an hour going very fast so somehow something was looking after me we managed to pull over in this emergency stopping bay and the new car has an sos button so pushed it um they connected me to a call center then they're like we have to tow you you need to get someone to come and pick you up and I was so we were an hour away from our home because we'd just come from the airport we're an hour away and I'm like so my husband had to come and pick us up so it like so for him to get there was like another hour um so we're sitting in this car on the side of the freeway the air con had stopped working so and it was so hot it's Australia summer like 100 million degrees and oh humidity we were all sweating my kids are crying it was actually horrendous <laughs> now like it all ended up fine like in terms of us being safe and fine and the tow truck guy was amazing he was so lovely um but yeah so shorts too long don't listen but basically the car got towed that was tuesday on wednesday and it was tuesday afternoon so they said look at the dealership is going to be closed we will tow it to this one in sydney um and basically they'll look at it. So I emailed the place the next morning where we bought it from. And I said, look, they've 
they've said basically they don't know when it's going to be looked at. They're really busy. And that, to be fair, they have been great, which so they should be. But they said basically they are getting it towed back up to where we bought it from, which is our house, thankfully, so we don't have to make the trip back down to pick it up when it's ready. Um, but they are launching an investigation with the head office as so it shouldn't happen. Like it actually could have been. A disaster um yeah it's so dangerous like i get the car that cars do that to protect the engine but now they've said it's a computer issue it's not even an engine issue it's like a, a computer communication issue and the computer basically just stopped working that happened with one of the cars i had i don't remember if it was my jetta or my malibu but it was the same thing where i was just driving i wasn't on the highway luckily but i was on still like a busier road where i was like accelerating and then just stopped accelerating and yeah. just slow down as if you weren't hitting the gas anymore and I was like yeah exactly oh, shit. like I was pushing the gas I'm like what is going on and because I was obviously at a speed with cars behind me all of a sudden everyone has to slow down it was so <laughs> crazy so like to be fair they've been very good um they rang us yesterday afternoon so that was like so Friday morning here now so they rang us Thursday afternoon and said the car had just arrived at the dealership where we bought it from and they're going to look at it today um I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been surprisingly calm about this. I'm usually a bit of a Karen. Like, I will not, I'm not rude, but I will say what I think. And, but I've just been like, okay, I'll just wait and see. I'm just going to wait and see what they say. Um, I guess there's no point in getting fired up. And I know things happen. There's electrics involved, technology involved, but I just feel like this obviously shouldn't be happening in a car that is brand new with no kilometers on it, basically. That you waited months for. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, I posted it on my TCS Olivia Instagram when we were stuck on the side of the road and I had so many messages, which is not great, from people saying, yeah, I've heard that those cars have heaps of issues, whereas I bought it because I thought it had no issues. Like I had read great things about the car, about the brand, um, but apparently the newer models might have some issues, so that's fun. <laughs> well, great. Oh. Anyway. Well, so- hopefully – they sort it out. It's just weird. Like it's one of those things that reinforces how quickly things can change. Like obviously we're all fine. It all worked out fine in terms of us being safe. I don't know about the car, but um, yeah, it's just out of the blue, like no warning. Like, you know, fair enough if there had been lights on, I would have been like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have driven it. But it just literally, I was just driving out of nowhere. It came. So be careful out there, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's mm. definitely scary. Glad it turned out okay. Yeah, so I'll keep you updated on the car process if anyone cares. (laughs) Probably not, but um, yeah. And it's it's such a shame because I actually really love the car. Like we got in it after the airport and I was like, oh, just like it was a sigh of relief. It's so nice, so lovely to drive. And then that happens. So, Well, you know what? You got the problems out of the way early. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) It's crazy because I've been driving since I was like 17 or whatever, so a long time now. And I've never in my whole entire life had an issue with a car, knock on wood. Hopefully I never do again. Like I've never had to pull over. I've never had a flat tire like while I'm driving. Like I've had things happen when the car's been parked, but nothing that's actually been an emergency. So fingers crossed that's it now. So it's your time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah oh I was gonna say the car's gonna be fine because 2024 is our year <laughs> and it's so f- well not funny like I guess it's like a laugh or you cry thing because then this week I've basically been immobilized to my neck and my shoulders are like broken <laughs> why I don't know I just I think I said to you last week like my lower back I feel like I must just need an alignment or something because my lower back was out last week that's all right now but now it's my neck and my shoulders are just so sore and tired I was up like all night because I just couldn't sleep so after we record I'm going to go and try and find someone to fix me (laughs) 
So mm. this is definitely not my week. Hopefully next week. <laughs> yeah. I My back, I've been trying to be more aware about my posture because as someone who has basically a desk job, I work on a computer a lot. And then when I'm not working on my work computer, I'm editing a podcast on my laptop or looking at my phone. So basically I'm always like looking down. I feel like I'm starting to get that forward head issue. And I'm like, I need to fix this. I need to have better posture because my back hurts all the time and I don't want to be a hunchback. So I'm trying to be more aware, but so hard. Even where, like, as we're sitting here now, because my neck is so messed up, I'm like leaning forward and I can tell, like, I'm not helping myself. So yeah. I agree. I need to I, work harder. I was telling my coworkers when I was talking about it that I picture myself, like, you know, when you feel your posture being horrible, I picture yeah. myself as, as Gollum from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> just like all hunched over. Mm. That's me. That's how I feel at work at my desk. <laughs> So that's that. I told you we'd have more to chat about this episode because we didn't chat last episode. So I hope you guys are pleased. There's a big one last one. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about Gypsy Gypsy. and all that. (sighs) One other thing I will add quickly. Well, there is a little bit. It's not really news, but it's something that I read this week that I thought was interesting. And I don't know how true it is. I haven't fact checked, but I suspect it would be somewhat true that they are saying Gypsy's net worth is now $3 million. Oh, right. I don't, it's probably not quite $3 million yet, um, but it's an interesting discussion to have about profiting off crime. And, um, like, we've had a few messages saying things like, why don't the laws apply to her that you can't actually profit off a, client, off a crime? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, but an interesting discussion that I've seen a lot of online. People are like, she shouldn't be a public figure. You know, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting because it's like, even though she was the, a murderer, she was also a victim, but she did murder, so should she? I don't know if it's like a state law, because it's like with Rex Hewerman, who we're also going to talk about, um, but how they're trying to say Asa shouldn't be able to have a documentary and make money off of his crimes, which I understand, but it's also like, we want to know the story. She's, she didn't really do anything. Can I wonder tell the story? if there's a way around it, because when you think about it with Gypsy, essentially all of her media isn't generally so much about the murder. It's about the abuse that she suffered and about her life growing up. Um, so maybe that's kind of some way around it because she's not actually going out there and telling the story over and over again in detail about the night of the murder. It's more so about her experience and her childhood, maybe. Yeah, and she's, regardless of that, like she has – eight million something followers on instagram now like she's going to be making instagram ad money which i don't they can't take that away no she, that yeah. has, that's people who want to follow her she'll probably get a shoe deal soon <laughs> yeah after all her um, shoe posts <laughs> or dr pepper she had dr pepper like immediately <laughs> or it was his but still <laughs> we were all like oh girl get your dr pepper <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if that really was her net worth right now because I'm assuming the her special, the Lifetime special, it probably went to the highest bidder, which I guess was Lifetime because yeah. that was something that a lot of people would want to have. Same with I was wondering because I feel like podcast guests aren't usually paid, but I wonder if – I don't know how – Nick Vial was the first one to get her on a podcast, but I do wonder if they paid her and just offered the highest bid. Because for those who don't know, Nick Vial is a bachelor person who is like kind of trash that a lot of people don't like. And it's like the most random 
choice for that to be her first podcast interview. So I don't know. But yeah. good for her. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be going anywhere yet. So no doubt we'll be discussing her ongoing. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I think that everyone's going to start to turn on her. Even though yeah. a lot of people are already against her, but I do think people will start to turn on her because the internet gets bored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like I mentioned, we are going to talk about Rex Hewerman briefly because there was a, a big update with that. It doesn't feel as big because it's kind of something that we all already he knew in a sense. Yeah, so he was charged formally with the killing of Maureen Brainard Barnes on Tuesday. So she was, remember there was the Gilgo Four, originally he was charged with the three of them, and she was the fourth one that they didn't have enough evidence really to charge him with yet. Because um, from what I remember, they weren't totally ready to pull the trigger when they did, but they felt like they had to because he was starting to like talk to sex workers again. So now they finally charged him with her death as well. Police say the charges were possible after the info came from DNA extracted from hair at the scene. A hair found with Maureen's remains is genetically similar to a DNA sample taken from Asa. That's Rex's wife. And I think also his daughter. But the indictment specifically states that Asa and the daughter were out of town in Atlantic City at a hotel when Maureen was killed. They even were copies of bank statements that were included in the indictment to support that they were in Atlantic City, like showed that they were spending money in Atlantic City. Because a lot of people are trying to be like, oh, like how could her hair be on them if she wasn't involved in the murders, which is a big jump. I don't want to be one of those people, but I did find it interesting that she was in Atlantic City because I feel like originally they said that she was overseas, which she might have been overseas for some of the other murders. Like I feel like at least for one of them she was in Iceland or whatever. But like Atlantic yeah. City isn't that far from New York. I'm not being a conspiracy it's theorist not. or whatever. It's only like two and two and a half hours from Manhattan. Um, like it's, it, like I feel like she pro- like. I'm sure she was there. It's like if you look at the bank statement, it's got all different charges from different hotels wherever they were. So I'm sure she was there. But I did find it interesting that she wasn't overseas for that one. She was in Atlantic City, which is not too far from their house. Yeah. Um, it also said this I thought was interesting because it was about how they collected the the DNA samples for comparison. Um if we remember that they got like Rex's DNA from the pizza that he'd thrown away. So it says detectives not only collected DNA samples from the suspected killer and his wife, they also followed Victoria on a train ride and picked her discarded monster Java can out of the trash, then lab tested the sample and it allegedly matched a sample collected from Amber Costello as well. While investigators believe Victoria was out of town during the murder and that she was only 13 at the time. Um, it's alleged that her hair transferred to Brainard Barnes' remains by her father on a piece of tape that was used to bind the victim. And I've said this before. I don't think a lot of people are trying to be like, oh, like their DNA was on them. Does that mean they were there? If you're a girl with long hair, you should know your hair gets everywhere, <laughs> all over the place, anywhere it's, you go. It's funny that you mentioned that because I took the kids away last weekend, like we we're away for a while. And my husband's like, do you know what? When you're away, I never even had to vacuum once. <laughs> but he goes, now that you're back, there's just hair everywhere, which is three, three girls in the house with long hair. It gets everywhere. Mike says the same thing. And he's literally said to me, like, can you just like 
try to not get it everywhere. I'm like, do you under like do you think I do it on purpose? It just falls out. I don't know. Like I can't control it. We got in like a legit argument about it. <laughs> but yeah, so um especially but it, it is interesting because I guess it would either be on like they said, the tape or the burlap that was used. But you could also wonder, like, did he ever bring them back to the house or anything like that? Or if they were in his car, maybe could have transferred. So then another thing that was said that Rex also was searching the internet for phrases that suggested he was afraid of getting caught, like how does cell site analysis work, Gilgo News, how cell phone tracking is increasingly being used to solve crimes, um, in phrases with the term Long Island serial killer. Nessa background to Maureen. She was 25 when she died. She left her hometown of Norwich, Connecticut on July 9th, 2007 and headed to Manhattan for sex work with plans to return the following day. Um, according to friends, they became concerned when she uncharacter- uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically, <laughs> uh, when she uncharacteristically stopped answering her phone. Her daughter said at the news conference she said i was only seven years old when my mom was murdered i remember she read to me every night now i can no longer remember the sound of her voice and she is 24 years old now her daughter um so rex will be will continue to be held without bail and the judge set the next court date for february 6th so interesting i love hearing about evidence and things like that trace evidence i've always been interested in so i like hearing about all this stuff but i'm interested to see if they'll connect him to any of the other suspected lisk victims it's so interesting to me too every time they release something about this case is that he was actually so sloppy he just you know left evidence but it still took them so long to find him i guess you know needle in a haystack and all that but he really didn't make an effort yeah i think it was also the Suffolk County Police Department was kind of blasé about the whole thing at the start. <laughs> but yeah, he seemed to just be living his life. Yeah. I guess he was a little nervous with those Google searches, but just flew under the radar, even though he's massive. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about the case of Nancy Ng. She is She's a missing California woman. She went missing in Guatemala in October 2023. She was kayaking and disappeared while kayaking with a group. So there's been a lot of chat on social media about this one. We've posted about it, but it was requested by several people. I didn't write down your names. I'm sorry, but it was messaged to us to cover it. So we're going to talk about it. Right, peep? Yeah, you've been quiet lately. Everyone's missed you. She's meowing, but she's a little far away. Now she's scratching the couch like a bad cat. My dad, he, and this sounds terrible, but he he keeps his phone next to him at night. Um, just like he's hoping for a ransom call, you know, something that will prove that Nancy might still be alive and that she's out there and she's just waiting for us to find her. This morning, the FBI now involved in the urgent search for a missing California woman, her family saying she vanished while on a yoga retreat in Guatemala. Nancy Ng's family says this is the last known video of her now shared with rescuers waving at the camera taken October 19th, just before she disappeared. 
Her family says the 29-year-old went on this kayaking excursion in the remote area of Lake Atitlan, but she never returned. But this morning, ABC News learning from the Guatemalan prosecutor that Ng, who was traveling with the U.S.-based tour group, went out on that kayak excursion, and according to the woman she was with, they advance deeper into the lake where the missing woman tells her that she wants to swim, and that is when she drowns. But why it took this woman and the tour group 24 hours to report it to authorities remains a mystery. Local fire and rescue telling ABC News there were reports that Ng was last seen about a half mile away from shore. Her kayak was later found, but no sign of the fitness enthusiast. Her family says Ng works with special needs children at a local school district, is loving and full of life. They've now hired a private search team led by Black Wolf Helicopters owner Chris Sharp, his group combing the area from the water to the sky. So as of right now, Nancy is still missing. We'll get into some background about her first. She is a former Cal State LA student, and she was working with special needs children for the Alhambra Unified School District at the time she vanished. Nancy's family have been very vocal in the search for her, and and as for her family members, she has three younger siblings. Her sister Nikki is 27. She has been very vocal in the case. Nikki's partner, Jared Lopez, started a GoFundMe to aid in the search for Nancy, and almost $125,000 have been raised to date. Um, This is how Nancy's family describe her. She is 29 years old. She loves yoga, traveling, hiking with her family, and cuddling with her cat. She has a kind heart, a big smile, and can talk to anyone about anything, and often everything. She's a caring daughter, a loving sister, and a supportive friend. Nikki said she will stop by the side of the road to pick up litter or to pick up a bottle to recycle. She cares so much about the environment, and she's just an inner child on the outside. In 2022, Nancy visited Lake Atitlan in Guatemala for a yoga retreat. And she enjoyed the experience so much that she rebooked the experience for 2023. Nikki recalled, she was saying it's so beautiful. Last year, she woke up every morning just to spend some time there by herself without the group. And this year was going to be more exciting because they planned activities on the lake. Atitlan means between the waters. At its deepest point, the lake is around 1,120 feet or 340 meters deep. The average depth is around 505 feet or 154 meters. Lake is approximately 11 miles by 5 miles or 18 kilometers by 8 kilometers. If you look at pictures or videos of this lake, it's one of those lakes that's like an ocean. It has waves. It has currents. Yeah. It's, it's a huge lake. It's literally just the, the ocean. It reminds me a bit, like, I haven't looked to see if they actually are similar, but of where Naya Rivera drowned. Like, it's quite, it's not like a mm-hmm. calm little lake. It's a rough, yeah, a rough, massive area. Yeah, I was thinking of her too. Lake Atitlan is renowned as one of the most beautiful lakes in the world and is one of Guatemala's most important national and international tourist attractions. It is very beautiful, besides yeah. being scary. <laughs> <laughs> but I hate it. I've said I hate open water, deep water, scary water. (laughs) Wouldn't catch me there. Maybe on the shore looking out. (laughs) So Nancy had enrolled in the Be the Change yoga retreat, and we believe she'd arrived in the area on October 14th. 
The retreat was due to last for a week and was being run by Eduardo Ramada, and he goes by Eddie, so we'll refer to him as Eddie. Nancy's family have said she texted them in a group chat after she arrived in Guatemala. She told one of her brothers happy birthday and told them she'd be putting her phone in airplane mode. She said, I'll be safe. Don't worry about me. And that was the last time they ever heard from her. So we know that one other person on the retreat was Christina Blazek. She is a public defender from San Bernardino. We believe that the hotel for the retreat was called Isla Verde. Um, and description from the website says, Hotel Isla Verde is an eco-chic boutique hotel nestled in the hillside of a local village in the Guatemalan highlands. Choose between our cozy yet spacious cabins set on the hillside or one of our gorgeous suites. All accommodation options boast spectacular views of the great wonder that is Lake Atilan. Enjoy breakfast, lunch, and dinner in our open-air restaurant, serving locally sourced home-cooked meals or sip a cocktail or smoothie on our spacious sun deck. We're the perfect place for a romantic getaway or bring a group for a retreat. No matter the occasion, our mission is to create a memorable experience for you. On the blog for this one, I've put some videos of the lake and of the hotel if you want to look a little bit deeper into kind of where this all happened. But it is a very beautiful setting. Mm -hmm. Everything seemed to go as planned on the retreat up until Thursday, October 19th. A group of 10 people from the retreat went kayaking on the lake. Lee and Elaine Beal, who are owners of Kayak Guatemala, confirmed that 10 people arrived to kayak. So they own like a shop that rents out kayaks. Um, there's some video of Nancy smiling and waving from her kayak just before 11 a.m. The recount of what happens next varies according to different sources. And I feel like that happens a lot throughout this entire story. There seems to be just like not a clear timeline or not a clear... Not an agreed Picture timeline. of what exactly. Yeah. yeah, like there's a lot of just miscommunication, it seems, on what actually happened. So some reports say that Nancy was kayaking with Christina. That's the She's the um, public defender we mentioned before. While others say the two just happened upon each other on the lake. Christina said that Nancy mentioned wanting to swim in the lake to her. Christina said that she warned her that conditions were not good for swimming and that the current was strong. I also saw... In another thing I watched today that they, Christina and Nancy, were with the group of the eight to ten people. And then the other eight people ended up going back and Nancy and Christina stayed out longer and went further away down the beach. So they were kind of further away from everyone else and where the kayak place was when this happened. The waves always come in about 11.30. Elaine Beal owns the company that rented the kayak to Nancy and her nine companions who were with her that day. Two girls went further to the east. She showed us on a map where she says Nancy and Christina Blazek, the last person to see her alive, were kayaking that day. They kind of went out towards the middle of the lake, not the middle of the lake, but and the accident occurred in the waters on the eastern shores. We watched as a kayaker set out in that same direction, struggling in the choppy waters. What do you think happened? It's just a tragic accident. They pushed off at about 1045, which was still calm. An hour later, the waves had started coming in. At that point, it's better to stay close to the shore than to experiment and go off. Christina said that Nancy ignored the warnings and got out of her kayak and into the water. In the process, 
Nancy ended up pushing her kayak away from her. According to NBC, Christina saw what was happening and attempted to retrieve Nancy's kayak. It says, Christina kept one leg in her kayak and one in Nancy's kayak, and she tried to get back to her. And then apparently Christina lost the kayak again, and she turned around to go back to the kayak again. And when she turned back around, Miss Ng was gone. So that sounded confusing, but I think it was basically... Nancy jumped in the water. Her kayak drifted away. Christina tried to go get it while still managing her kayak. If you haven't been in a kayak, I feel like they're very easy to flip, so this is probably a hard thing to do. The currents are also apparently pretty strong in that lake, so she's trying to get the kayaks under control. Nancy's swimming. Christina tries to get back to Nancy. The kayak gets away, and she goes to get the kayak again, and then Nancy's gone, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. But one thing to remember too is that they, this is Christina's version of events. Obviously, there was no one else close by to give another version of events. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Nancy's version of events was, but this is what Christina's lawyer told the media and I guess Nancy's family about what actually happened. So we are just assuming this is what happened as it is the only version of events that we have. Yeah. Christina apparently then returned to the shore and raised the alarm about Nancy being missing. Lee and Elaine, the owners of the kayak place, spoke about the scenario. They said, when the group returned, there were only eight that returned, but we could see in the distance, the distance of about 100 yards, two single kayaks. Those two kayakers were Nancy and another woman, we assume Christina. They said, we watched them as they continued paddling until we lost sight of them. He said that's when a distress signal was called in. Elaine said... I witnessed the survivor being ushered up the steps with the yoga instructor. She was clearly distressed and they didn't say a word to us. Seems like that would be Christina and the instructor would be Eddie. Lee mentioned no one in the remaining group appeared to be interested in speaking with anyone. He said it was almost like immediately clamming up like we're not going to say anything. Lee and Elaine called the hotel the next morning because they still hadn't been paid for the kayak use and they were told the group had left. Elaine said, I just don't understand that part of leaving within eight hours, 12 hours of the accident. Lee added, they were not scheduled to leave the next morning and apparently left at 5 a.m. and no one has been able to talk to them. We watched them as they continued paddling until we lost sight of them. A distress signal called in. The next thing Elaine Beale says she sees. I witnessed the survivor being ushered up the steps with the yoga instructor, she was clearly distressed, and they didn't say a word to us. But no sign of Nancy Ng. The Beals say they called the group's hotel the next morning because they hadn't been paid, only to learn they were gone. I just don't understand that part of leaving within eight hours of, you know, 12 hours of the accident. So according to a report from the prosecutor's office, excerpts of which have been seen by NBC News, Christina was unable to provide testimony at her summons on October 20th because she had already left for the United States. So that is the day after. So like that kind of confirms that she was gone the day after it all. Yeah. When Nancy's family found out about her being missing, they sprang into action straight away. This update is from them on October 21st, so two days after Nancy went missing. They wrote, A helicopter search and rescue team searched both sides of the lake and ran search patterns based on where Nancy was staying, where she was last seen, and wind and current patterns over the last few days. A boat team went out and searched the surface around where she was last seen, 
They deployed a diving team that was able to reach a depth of 40 meters. However, the area where Nancy went missing is up to about 300 meters deep. So from what I've seen, there was like a pretty quick response with searching for her locally from, I think they said it was like the Marine, the Guatemalan Marines. Yeah, I think something like that. Um, They did have some agencies out there searching right away, but it seems like they're not really capable of searching this massive lake very well to the full depth that it goes to, which I guess is understandable because it's very deep. And I did see um, the it was actually another statement or email that was sent by the kayak place owners sent to someone said that when people go missing in that lake, their bodies aren't usually found, basically. So water searches for Nancy were stopped after 72 hours. And by early November, Nancy's family had reached out to the State Department, the FBI, and local representatives. They were also working with a private search and rescue team in Guatemala, which has scoured about 95% of the lake by air and land, along with divers and drones. But I wonder if that means the depth? Like 95% or just the surface? I think it's just the surface because I did read another article and I am hope I'm – because I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like they searched 95% of the lake but only up to like five or six feet. So um, they didn't go deep. So they searched the surface of the lake but not to the depths, obviously. that I guess to do that would be a massive undertaking if it could even be done. Yeah, um, I did also see when I was looking at pictures and videos of the lake on the sides and stuff, it has a lot of like algae or lily pad type growth, which could also, I'd imagine, make it difficult. Like yeah, if, her, if she did drown and her body washed up, it would make it hard to find, I'd imagine. Her family said in a statement to KTLA, time is of the essence and we are racing against the clock to bring Nancy home. It's been an ongoing nightmare, not knowing what happened to Nancy or if we will ever get her back. All my family wants is to bring our sister slash daughter home. Please help us do so. There's a November 14th article from ABC News that states that Eddie and Christina had not been interviewed by Guatemalan authorities. It says ABC News has learned that Guatemala Attorney General's office hasn't been able to interview the woman who was with Nancy or the tour guide because the group left the country. They've requested international assistance to speak with them, but are still waiting to hear back. The Guatemalan prosecutor's office issued a statement saying they believe Nancy had drowned. Her family gave an update on their thoughts on their GoFundMe. It says, We're aware of the statement from the Guatemalan prosecutor's office that, according to a woman Nancy was with, Nancy wanted to swim and drowned. However, it's difficult for us to accept that explanation for a few reasons. One, none of the participants we have spoken with saw Nancy get out of her kayak and into the water. Two, we've tried to contact the woman who was with Nancy during the incident many times over the last three weeks, but she will not speak with us. Three, the police report we received did not include a direct statement from the woman. We're yet to have seen any official statement from her or any other retreat participant. This woman's silence has not only hindered our search efforts, it made an unbearable three weeks all the more agonizing. I don't think it's that weird that the other people that haven't given a statement or come out really because if the story is true that they all went back in and then Nancy and Christina like went off on their own to kayak more, they didn't really see anything. I mean, I guess, I guess they could be like, yeah, we saw them go off to kayak more. 
And the only statement could be about, I guess, Christina coming back in. But if you didn't see anything, it's hard to give a statement. Yeah. So on November 22nd, 2023, Nikki spoke to NBC and said then that she'd still been unable to get in contact with Christina. She said, I don't know how much my family can accept the statement if it's not backed up or confirmed by authority. So in terms of the statement, it's what we mentioned earlier about Christina's version of events, about her trying to get the kayak and Nancy going under when she lost sight of her and things like that. She said, whatever she's sharing with her attorney, I don't believe it's something that's under oath and it's maybe even his interpretation of what she told him. She said, at the end of the day, what we want is more information so that we can direct our search team. She said, Nancy is a good swimmer. I don't understand how this could have happened. Was she struggling for a long time? Did Christina hear her scream or yell for help? What was the scope, the circumstances? Did she just disappear? Was there a land nearby that she could have swam? I have no context or not enough context of what was going on. And they are the same questions that we still have today. I'm near the location where Nancy went missing. According to Christina, Nancy hopped out of the kayak to go for a swim. Christina says she paddled over to Nancy's kayak to hold on to it, to keep it from drifting off. But when she looked back to find Nancy, she was gone. We're planning to go back to the hotel. We're planning to talk to law enforcement. I called Nancy's siblings, Jonathan and Nikki, to update them on what we found. And we're still hoping that more information will come in and that we can find Nancy and bring her home. A volunteer search and rescue team has canvassed the lake and shoreline by land, air and water. But so far, there has been no sign of Nancy's body. It's hard to determine what actually happened when we're hearing a lot of conflicting information. The local police in Guatemala wouldn't comment on the status of the investigation. Christina Blazek, a public defender from California, insists she did everything she could to help and has fully cooperated with authorities, including the FBI. We understand how this could have been very hard and traumatizing to witness, but we do have incomplete information and we need your help. So at that time, Eddie, the yoga retreat leader, made, I believe, his first statement. He said, I'm not ready to speak publicly yet, but I have been in clear communication with Nancy's families and the authorities in Guatemala since the very beginning. The FBI conducted interviews to help bring closure to the Ng family that I was completely forthcoming with. So this was around the time where Christina's lawyer, because we're going through it chronologically, this was the time where Christina's lawyer finally came out and made the statement about the events that happened on the day. Nancy's family addressed her statement on the GoFundMe. It says, Gardner, who's Christina's attorney, says Christina went for help, gave a full statement to the Guatemalan police and has spoken with the FBI. According to him, quote, to say my client hasn't done all she can is not true. And they go on to say, and as to why she didn't respond to our request for information, he says Christina was traumatized by the experience and needed time. Christina's attorney responded to the family. Basically, they sent Christina a bunch of emails asking for information and he paraphrased the communication as this. He said, they tell her they understand she's been through a traumatic experience, but then they tell her she needs to come forward. And they say in the email, if she she doesn't come forward, they will make her come forward. So he's insinuating that basically they're putting pressure on this lady who's been through a very traumatic experience who isn't ready to talk. Mm -hmm. He also says that the family got hold of misinformation and has put it out there. And now Christina has become 100% an absolute victim. Nancy's family responded again and they said they express their appreciation that they have these statements from Christina. Basically, every bit of information is useful to them. Uh, It says, as for Christina's account of the incident, we fully recognise the possibility that Nancy drowned. As heart-wrenching as it is to consider, we know we must thoroughly explore it. 
What we do not understand, though, are there inconsistencies between direct statements provided by her lawyer and varying secondhand accounts of her story we've heard from others. It goes on basically to say that their main attention and what they want to find out is where the accident actually happened on the lake. Um, it says they have received a 100-page report from the Guatemalan Public Prosecutor's Office, and in that there is no direct statement from Christina or any other official record that the statement that Christina made actually happened. So she, what she's what her attorney is telling the media happened that isn't in the 100-page report. They also responded to Christina's attorney's statement that they were forcing her to come forward. They said it's simply not true. To prove it, we're sharing the emails we sent to her work and her personal email addresses on the 25th and the 31st of October. In addition to these, we passed along our contact information through the retreat organiser and other participants. We recognise that Christina may feel uncomfortable speaking directly to us, but we request that she at least speak to our search team as time is of the essence in finding Nancy. They said basically they waited until six days after the incident to contact Christina, six more to follow up after that. And when the media began to cover the situation on November 3rd, we encouraged witnesses to step form, but they didn't name any names. Um, so they're, they're kind of dispelling the, the argument that they have basically been harassing Christina. They said they understand at that time that she wasn't legally obligated to speak with them, but they just hope that she would. Um, so, like, I feel like this is a good summary of the mess of the situation Christina didn't want to speak her attorney's kind of muddy in the waters by giving different um, version of events of the communication between the cup but the two parties so it's I can't imagine she not that she like didn't give a statement but still talking they clearly called for help and did they leave this is where it gets confusing. Did they leave before help arrived? Was the help there? And they were like, we were over here. Like, look over here. Like, this is what happened to the people searching the lake. Because they did get help and the help came pretty quickly as far as I know. But yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, Eddie or Christina, I don't know about the other members, but it doesn't seem like they at least hung around. <clears throat> Seems like they got out of there pretty quickly. And obviously this is just based on the account of the kayak people and them you know, there, there being no other accounts of them being around when the search started. It seems like they kind of left the scene very quickly. But again, this is just going off what we have read and what we've been told. Yeah, because they could they could have stayed, but like, who would be the one to say that besides, I guess, them if they came forward? Hmm. We know that within like twelve hours, let's say that they had left the country. So I guess they would have had to move pretty quickly to make that happen. Yeah. So Chris Sharp, who's a member of the Guatemala-based Black Wolf Helicopters, and he was leading the search efforts for Nancy, he told KABC in November that he felt the circumstances of her disappearance may be suspicious. He said, for me, this is now becoming a criminal investigation because the witnesses who were there at a material time are not being forthcoming. The family gave another update on the GoFundMe on December 15, so around a month ago at the time of recording. They've basically said... We don't have the information that we need about where Nancy went into the water, so therefore they have to cover such a large area. They said attempts to narrow the search area by speaking with Christina have proved fruitless. As the one person who was with Nancy when she disappeared, Christina's account of where they were on the water is invaluable to the search effort. Unfortunately, Keith, who was the diving instructor and the owner of Search and Recovery Consulting, his attempts to speak with Christina had been unsuccessful. They did promise a conversation with her lawyer, but Keith hasn't been able to get in contact with Christina. Eddie, the yoga retreat owner, spoke to NBC in December, and he said that Kayak Guatemala had not offered the group life jackets. 
He also said they were given no safety instructions and that no precautions were given. Christina's attorney agreed with these allegations. Elaine and Lee, who we spoke about earlier, they're the owners of the kayak company. They told Inside Edition that they, quote, give people the opportunity to take a life jacket. And for this group, they all said no to taking life jackets. I watched that video and they have a bunch in the building or like the room and they're all just kind of like hanging up. So I don't know. It made me wonder, like, did they specifically say like, oh, if you want a life jacket, please take one. Or if people who are kayaking are just supposed to be aware that they're right there hanging up and you could just take one because there seems to be a debate on if they were actually offered or not. But they are in the room hanging up. Nancy stayed at this hotel. The kayak rental company is right next to the hotel. One question for the family remains. Why wasn't Nancy wearing a life jacket? The lawyer for the witness says that they weren't offered life jackets. Is that true? That's not true. We give people the opportunity to take a life jacket. And for this group, they all said no to taking life jackets. The kayak owner showed us where they keep them. I have gone kayaking with Nancy before. But Nancy's sister, Nikki, says it is her understanding that her sister was never given the option of a life jacket. We went kayaking in New York. We were offered life vests and we both wore them. So I know for a fact that if they had offered it, she would have taken it. And so the next part of the story is weird. And I feel like it muddies the waters even more because Elaine and Lee have been you know, very loud up until this point, giving their version of events. You know, they left, they said that Christina and Eddie left the scene. But Eddie has alleged that the Beals were actually not present at the lake when Nancy disappeared, despite them giving their apparent witness accounts of what happened. There's a police report that NBC mentioned that they've seen, and it says that basically Lee was overseas and Elaine was in her home. So I don't know. I like, I feel like if NBC are saying they've seen the police report, that seems legit, but then if that is the case, why are these people giving statements when they weren't even there? Unless, like, maybe and they're, they're the ones like giving statements on behalf of their employees, but it's never, ever, ever been said that that's the case. They're the ones that kind of seem to have been initially stirring the pot, which kind of started all this controversy by saying, like, Christina was Im- immediately like ushered off with Eddie and left the scene like immediately. And and they, she even said, like, she saw the two girls out kayaking. Yeah. So it's like, were you there or not? It's very strange. Just like, I just I feel like they're, case- yeah, odd. Liking the attention. Yeah. And I guess it's probably not great publicity for their business, but I guess any publicity is good publicity, isn't it? Yeah, they seem to be giving all the interviews and answering emails of random YouTubers who message them asking for comments. So I feel like they're um, not to say they're enjoying it, but like they're not keeping their mouth shut. I don't know. No. And I feel like too, I don't know, if it was my business and I'd pay someone had drowned in while they were out of my kayak, I would not be inserting myself if I didn't need to be. <laughs> no, I'd be like, please, everyone forget my name in the name of my company connected to this. So on December 14th last year, 2023, the family gave another update about the case. They said Guatemalan prosecutors still don't have official statements from Christina. The US embassy still hasn't received Nancy's belongings. Despite being involved, the FBI unfortunately cannot share any information with us or the search teams about what they've done or learned. And media coverage has now died down. Um, I have read, like there's a lot of Reddit discussion about this case, so I feel like a lot of it isn't confirmed, but I have read things that basically people were allowed to go in and rummage through Nancy's belongings in the hotel room um, and the family are now saying that the US Embassy hasn't gotten any of her possessions back. I did see someone saying or speculating that 
they might have been going through her belongings looking for like contact information because they contacted the family, but it was like the next day. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like they were looking how to get in touch with someone or I don't know. So the family, this is all from the family's most recent update on the GoFundMe. And the I agree that the media attention has died down. When you have a look, the last, any kind of, I guess, meaty articles are from about a month ago, which lines up with these updates. The family did go to Guatemala in December. They said, we went to Guatemala in hopes of getting some clarity in what happened to Nancy and where to find her. It said, while it brought us some comfort experience in the beauties that Nancy loved so much, handwoven goodies, vibrant paintings, homey meals, stunning volcano views, boat rides, kind strangers, it felt like we ultimately left Guatemala with more questions than we did answers. It says, time and time again, we felt that the response to Nancy's alleged drowning from some retreat participants has been odd, disconcerting and difficult to grasp. We completely understand the poor choices can be made in the moment of crisis and panic, but in the days and months ensuing this tragedy, not much has been done to rectify these situations. We want to reiterate that it's not too late. We are not giving up the search or the investigation. They then go on to speak about how disappointed they are with what has actually happened with the investigation in Guatemala. They said, we are disappointed with the progress of the investigation. The prosecutor has not confirmed with local police whether or not they ever took Christina's witness statement, despite his office being in the same building as the police statement. This information is critical because while Mr. Gardner, who's the attorney, claims that Christina went and gave a full statement to Guatemalan police, there is no record of this on file. Uh, The US Embassy has not received apparently any such request to obtain Christina's statement. And they say it's been almost three months now. We still have no official witness statement from the one and only witness. While the lack of urgency from the prosecutor was very distressing, it made us all the more relieved when we went in person to advocate for Nancy. We were able to relay all our requests to the prosecutor and we are waiting for the latest updates from him. So when this episode comes out, their GoFundMe is linked on the blog and I'll post it on their stories as well so you can check out. They do update it fairly regularly, but you can see if anything else has happened. But that is it up to date for Nancy's search. um, The media interest is definitely dying down, which is sad, but I guess essentially what what else can they do? No one's speaking. Um, There's nowhere to really start a thorough search. They don't know the exact location where she went into the water. Um, I guess it's expected that these things will die down once there's just no new information, which is sad for the family. It's also basically just turned into a witch hunt against Christina and Eddie at this point. And this one too, I feel, has been very popular, for lack of a better word, with the online sleuths and true crime society, uh, true crime society, and true crime people online. There's a lot of YouTubers who have covered this, as I said, a lot on Reddit. So this is one where there's a lot of discussion, but there's essentially not much confirmed information. Yeah. So I wrote down my possible thoughts on theories. I guess the number one theory is that Nancy did go in, as Christina said, into the water and she drowned. Um, The second one is that there was some foul play covered up by retreat participants. I guess the other two, which are very unlikely, is suicide or that she somehow staged all this to go off and start a new life. I feel like you can probably discount both of those. Um, Mm -hmm. I do personally think this was a drowning. Um, I feel like I don't even know why I believe Christina's version of events, but Nancy was seen in the kayak. We know she was there. She was happy. Like it's not like they set this up to cover up something that had happened and dumped her body in the lake. She was there. She was kayaking. I feel like there's very other, there's few other scenarios that it could actually be. Um, My only other thought is that maybe 
Nancy, this is speculation, so it's never ever been proven and it might explain too while they were kind of rummaging through her belongings in the hotel, but maybe there was some type of drug or something involved which caused Nancy to act erratically and that's why they all wanted to cover it up that that had been happening at the retreat. Yeah, I've read something, I don't know if it was like speculation or I guess it was speculation, but that the whole group was doing psychedelic drugs, which would also explain one, why Nancy, who they said was a good swimmer, even though the lake does have strong currents, so you never know, um, drowned. Also, Christina wouldn't want to admit to that. She's a public defender. And the rest of the group probably wouldn't want to admit to that either, that they were all doing drugs in a foreign country where, I don't know, it could be sketchy. There's a lot of comments online too that Eddie has basically told the participants not to, like this is all alleged, I don't know if it's true, but that Eddie has told the participants not to speak. He's made his Instagram private. Um, he runs a yoga, like a yoga studio in California, I believe, and apparently they've been told they're not to speak about it. You know, obviously I can see as a business owner he's in damage control no matter what, so that's kind of understandable, but it might like something if something happened along those lines it might explain more so why it's to the extent that it is yeah i think i agree with you i do think that she most likely drowned and it probably wasn't foul play um that being said i do think it's shitty the way it's being handled by everyone but it does seem like there's a lot of miscommunication between like guatemala and everyone involved and the us and the family it seems like there's just so many different versions of what happened, so many people involved, so much going on that there's no just like clear story. Um, I was trying to think of reasons because I do think there's such a ridiculous online witch hunt for specifically Christina as if she personally murdered Nancy. Um, I was just trying to think of reasons why she wouldn't want to come forward that aren't nefarious but i'd imagine witnessing a death like that is one feeling like you were trying to help the person and we don't know exactly like was she literally like trying to reach out to her did she see her drowning was she trying to get her like feeling like you failed someone and they died could be definitely very traumatic um she'd probably feel really guilty and not want to talk to the family and this being said um, i do think she should have given a statement and done what she could have to help. I I agree that is really shitty behavior and awful, but I'm just trying to think of what could have happened. Also, being involved with something like this in a different country where you don't live could be scary because we've yeah. all seen those scary like locked up abroad stories where you're like accused of a crime and now you're in a Mexican prison for the rest of your life, which is scary. So maybe that's why they're like, we need to get back to the U.S. like as fast as possible and we'll deal with this there. And I, I feel like, know. too, one of the main reasons why Christina has acted in the way that she has is because she's an attorney or, you know, she knows not to speak. She knows, you know, how to act in, obviously, I'm assuming she's never been in a situation like this before, but I guess essentially the number one rule is you don't talk. You regroup, you do all those things. And I guess it's worked in her favour up until now because nothing else has happened to her. Like, you know, obviously we don't know why she doesn't want to assist the investigation, which that's kind of down the drug way that we discussed. Again, just speculation. We don't know if it's really anything to do with that, but maybe if it was something like that, that's why she's not talking. Um, but it's worked in her favour up until now. She hasn't been investigated as far as we know. If there was anything nefarious, nothing's happened. Um, 
I just feel like she knows how to act no matter what the situation is and she has absolutely acted in her own best interests. Yeah. One thing I'd be curious from the other people who were there, like, were these two pals? Were they hanging out a lot? Was it not weird for them to, like, go off on their own? That's something I was wondering about, too. There are some, and obviously Christina, as we mentioned many times, hasn't spoken, but there are photos online of Nancy and Christina, obviously not kayaking. There's a photo of them where they've got their arms around each other. They just look like they're in front of a building. I have read some comments that they actually met prior to the yoga retreat. So they knew that they were both going there. They were kind of friends. Um, So I feel like I would be interested to learn more about their friendship or the dynamic between them. But, yeah, I guess we're just all based on social media investigation and speculation at the moment when we have no other information. Yeah, and I was just thinking because her attorney's like she gave a statement and the Guatemala prosecutor's office like, no, she didn't. She didn't give an official statement. I'm wondering if she, like, talked to them initially, but they want her to give, like, an official statement in writing or something because there's a time where I had to get, like, a restraining order against someone I think I've talked about this before it was just it was like a bullying situation but when I talked to the police like I told the police the whole story but then I also had to put it in writing and that's like my official statement so I wonder if it's something like that like a technicality or something yeah but yeah I wish that they would just talk to the family at this point like let's figure it out um but at this point that this witch hunt going online after her or any of the people, like, I wouldn't want to come forward either. I wouldn't want any of these people to know who I was if I was one of the other people because people online are crazy and they will just accuse you of, like, murdering someone when you really had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it's a very messy case. Um, And obviously, you know, they could clear things up by coming forward, but then I can also understand why they don't because you don't want to be involved, you don't want to associate with it, which is sad for her family. Yeah, if they came forward more early on, would have been better. But at this point, I can understand why they're not. Because, like you said, it just becomes so messy and it's turned into such like a bitter thing in a sense. Um, but I hope it all works out. I hope they're able to find her body somehow um, and that the family can get closure. But I understand why the family is also just like not accepting this either, even though it seems pretty likely that she did drown. Like, if someone just told me my family member or loved one drowned in a different country and that was that, I'd be like, okay, but, like, I need some more info. I need some facts. I need to see this, like, hard facts, evidence, let me know that this is real. Because it's probably hard to accept that otherwise. Yeah. It would be a very tough situation. So that is it for this episode in Nancy's story so far anyways um as we mentioned there's lots of youtube videos about nancy and everyone's thoughts online about this there's a subreddit about her there's tiktoks about her lots going on we will keep an eye out for any updates that we'll post on our instagram or anything like that if you guys want to stay up to date um if there's any updates before this comes out i'll put in a clip here but i'm assuming there won't be Everything for this case, the pictures, videos that Olivia mentioned will be on the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. Um, follow us on Instagram, like I said, at True Crime Society. If you want to follow our personal accounts, 
Mine is stephsum underscore Olivia is TCS Olivia. And you can also check us out on Patreon if you want more content. We do all the episodes ad-free and we do weekly bonus episodes, among some other things. So you could check us out on Patreon and all the usual stuff. Leave us reviews, comments, nice things, share the podcast, all that. You guys know what to do. But that's it. Um, thank you guys for listening and stay safe out there. Peace out. See ya. Yeah.